0: hey everyone what's up welcome in to another episode of real sports talk by Naraj Kalia hope you're all doing well on this Thursday March 10th 2022 uh, quite a bit to get into as always um, thank you for listening you can find more of my episodes and content on all of the various podcasting platforms. So do check it out, Um, listen listen back. Um, Definitely a lot of good content and things to know about and be aware of. So quite a bit going on as we are getting closer and closer to the NFL frequency period beginning. Um, Should be exciting to see how that turns out because, you know, there's obviously surprise moves, deals every year. Uh, some teams obviously overpay. Some teams obviously get some bargain type of deals. You know, it all varies depending on what these teams are looking for. Uh, we've had quite a bit of quarterback news be, you know, already taking place already and maybe more to come. Especially when it comes to some teams that definitely need a quarterback and have to address that. Um, coming up here, so I will get to that in a little bit. Now, one of the biggest news probably of today is that MLB um, is a, MLB and the MLB Players Association is finally getting out of the lockout, which um, you know it was kind of bound to happen, but it was one of the long, longest lockouts probably MLB history. Uh, both sides apparently have agreed to a deal that. We'll probably get baseball going um, at some point in early April. Um, so who knows? Uh, definitely a good thing for the sport because it was getting very, getting very close to people. Just obviously don't follow it as much. Don't really care about it, if, if we're being honest. But it's still one of the best sports in terms of just you know America's favorite pastime. And there's a lot of there's a huge amount of the population that really loves baseball and is love baseball um, and. This lager obviously brought a lot of different questions and bad attention to both sides. But uh, I think bar any setbacks tonight, I think everything will be finalized and baseball will resume with their usual free agency, spring training, and the regular season. So it uh, should be great to see how that all develops and comes down. So what I want to start off by today's episode is just talk about uh, Tiger Woods and Tiger Woods being inducted into the uh, World Golf Hall of Fame uh, last night. Um, you know, it was a long time coming, well-deserved for Tiger Woods. Um, obviously, we know Tiger Woods has been through a lot in the last few years with everything that, everything that has kind of gone, gone on. Uh, Tiger Woods was celebrated and appreciated yesterday as he was inducted. Uh, introduced by his daughter Sam who uh, is 14 years old and she delivered some powerful words and a powerful speech yesterday um, talking about Tiger Woods and then look at Tiger Woods I mean he's always been one of the best if not one of the best golfers um, in history and the way that Tiger Woods ascended uh, golf and revolutionized it and made it so appealing to watch is just remarkable and throughout all the years he really battled through all that attention the pressure um, and he did go through a lot obviously with his body having injuries and dealing with knee injuries and you know he went through a lot of different you know difficult times as an athlete but he remained positive he had that smile always that that came up on his face talking about how passionate he was about golf how much he committed you know himself to golf and uh, it was special to see him you know be honored and welcomed into the World Golf Hall of Fame Um, you know several records along the way you know being number one ranked player for almost like 683 weeks you know 11 time um, you know PGA Tour player of the year 15 time major champion um, and I think he has I think 80 or 81 uh, PGA Tour victories in his career. So he's done so much. He's been able to obviously talk a great game. Um, he's also He's been huge in obviously building golf out as well. You know, with, with golf courses and his foundation that contributes to a lot of different things. Uh, Tiger's just a great person. And, you know, obviously he suffered that devastating uh, injury to his legs uh, a year or a half or so ago. And, you know, just thankful that he was obviously able to come out all right and obviously he did play earlier this year um with his uh, son charlie who is a up-and-coming uh uh you know kid who's interested in golf and is playing at a really high level and um they played together at this psc championship uh, event that was held earlier and it was good to see him obviously be out on the course a little bit and swing some shots uh obviously he's still getting uh back into his form and You know, whatever the next chapter for Tiger Woods' career will be, Um, you know he's shown so much, he's proven a lot in the in the game, what he's been able to do over the course of his career, um, that it was great to see him be celebrated with his family being in the audience, and that moment itself was really special for him. Uh, One one of the biggest things that he probably has had happened to him in a while, and we know that, you know, he still will, you know, as the the competitor that he is. one that he is he will try obviously to make, make a comeback and play a little bit more if he can but uh it was really great to see him be um inducted and uh, announced by his daughter and to be able to receive that recognition and appreciation was really well deserved and one of the best things i've seen for a sport athlete in a long time in terms of just tiger what he brought to the game obviously we see a lot of players be celebrated throughout their careers but the way that tiger Woods was celebrated yesterday was really really special um, all the emotions, all the things that he kind of talked about were really, really true. And um, I can't wait to see what he does as the rest of the year goes on. Um, because, you know, golf, the way everything has been going, obviously there's so much young talent, a lot of great players that are trying to make their own first step. But Tiger still looms huge over this sport. He's connected to this sport in more than one way. And I think that will continue to be the case for for a long time. Um, so we'll see how it, how it happens. But I'm excited and happy to see that he got that. Appreciation, that respect uh, and that honor last night so now I want to go ahead and switch gears and talk about what happened in the NFL yesterday and uh, the trade that went down which was a very surprising slash shocking one uh, to me and, and probably to a lot of people uh, it's the Carson Wentz being traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington Commanders and that team name is still going to take some while to get used to to be honest but hey it is uh something that we all have to kind of get used to a little bit probably as this year goes on but yes Carson Wentz ends up going to Washington uh, with Ron Rivera and the Colts obviously get some draft compensation um you know I think a second round pick and a third round pick um Gotta say, this is one of the quarterback moves that I did not see coming. I did not think that Carson Wentz um, uh, should have been traded. I was, I mentioned that earlier when we started talking about some things, and you know, obviously, it's tough for any quarterback um, to get traded from one team to the other. And for Carson Wentz's case, I really felt like I'm sure most people felt this way as well. That his trade to Indianapolis with Frank Reich was going to be the perfect kind of fit and style for him. And I had said at that time that if Carson Wentz couldn't make it work with Frank Reich, then the chances of him doing it with someone else are very low. And so you look at Washington, they were desperate to, to get a quarterback, to get a name um, that could be better than what they had last year in Taylor Heineke. Heineke obviously had a really, you know, rough kind of season. It wasn't the greatest. A lot of turnovers, a lot of interceptions. Um, and Washington was kind of in the thick of things, and they kind of fell out of things a little bit. And so Carson Wentz now comes comes over in this trade, and he's looking from the Colts' side. I mean, you know, they they are not a quarterback away from contending for a Super Bowl championship. So, if they were falling into thinking of like you know, we don't want Carson Wentz because he's not going to be able to get us there, but look like, there's a lot of teams that obviously are trying to surround their quarterback with talent and with the ability to do so to compete and have a chance at that. Uh, look at Carson Wentz numbers—you um, know, twenty-seven touchdowns, seven interceptions this past year, and the thing that really hurt Carson Wentz was not being able to deliver in those key games that he's supposed to deliver in. Great running game, great defense, but a quarterback, that was the question mark for the Colts, and he wasn't able to deliver in that game against Jacksonville, which he, had, he played awful. He definitely played awful in that game. Um, but you just think about it from the standpoint of The Colts, and they've had so many different quarterbacks the last four to five years. Darius Leonard, one of their defensive players, said it best. They've had a tough time finding anybody stable to stay in that position for the past four to five years. And, you know, the Colts at some point are going to have to be patient, are going to have to find a way to win and add players to this team they have Jonathan Taylor they have Michael Pittman they got a defense that played really well last year for the most part but you're gonna need more um, you know from your team your supporting cast than just Michael Pittman you know uh, now with Jack Doyle retiring that also makes it really tough for the Colts as well because that got a new tight end so this is really came down to a couple of things You us look at it Obviously, Jim Irsay was not too happy with Carson Wentz. Uh, it's possible that his vaccination status may have played into played into this. But also, it has been a fact for Carson Wentz for a while. He just hasn't been able to be that strong leader as a quarterback. And not all quarterbacks are going to be the same. Some quarterbacks differ from each other in styles and how they go about things. and Carson Wentz just never seemed to connect probably as well with the coaches, with the teammates there, maybe. Um, but more importantly, that coaching staff, that front office, maybe these things didn't align really well. So to me, this trade was more of the Colts just trying to go about the starting fresh, starting clean and in terms of, I don't think they, 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 they look at the value and with the production, they looked at probably just the leadership and the other things that go going to be in a quarterback to make this move. And so the question is, who do they they go with now as a better option than Carson Wentz? And that's where I'm kind of puzzled because I think, like, you had a quarterback that was somewhat decent, just messed up probably in some games here and there during the season. No quarterback is perfect. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks make mistakes and go through that period. But also, look at Carson Wentz. He's been in the league for almost five, six years, and some things just haven't been able to change with him. To a certain point. So. You just look at it. I mean. Jim Mercy is the one who really has called all the shots for this team. Um, and. You know, if he wanted Carson gone. Then that's what exactly happened. But. You know. Who do you go after now? I mean. The most. Common. One that. Makes sense to me. Um, is that the fact that they've already traded with this team for a player before in the past. That's the 49ers. 49ers. You know, the Colts made a move to get DeForest Buckner from the 49ers, so maybe they're interested in getting, getting Jimmy Garoppolo now, can Jimmy Garoppolo be better than Carson Wentz I um, mean, time will tell if they do end up making that trade for for uh, Jimmy Garoppolo then maybe it'll be a good move but the Colts have put themselves in a really tough spot where I really don't know how they're gonna, they're gonna move forward, you know, do they want bringing a, a new quarterback in there rookie quarterback in there so they want to go the veteran route. I mean, the Colts really didn't have a backup plan in place before they made this move. Or maybe they do have one backup plan in place. I haven't seen it yet. Obviously, it just got to start with free agency and all these things coming about. So, the Colts got to figure it, out, figure it out pretty quickly because they're not going anywhere in that division until they get a quarterback that they feel will align with their values and with their team. And that's all on Jim Irsay, all on Chris Ballard. Those are the two guys that really um, have to make it right because you know Frank Reich obviously pushed for Carson Wentz most likely and, and wanted to bring him in here and obviously it didn't work out. So now this is all going to come down to Jim Irsey and Chris Ballard and they better figure it out because it's, if not the Colts will be going backwards next season. Now as for Washington, you look at it; they're in the NFC East where. They, they take on, you know, they take on Carson Wentz contract, which is going to be almost 28 to 30 million this season. So for Washington, to me, I think despite this move, they should still try to go after a quarterback probably in the first round or second round, um, because Carson Wentz can do some good things, but we know that there's always some games that are going to come up where he may not play the best, and you know. I look at Washington. What do they have? Like they need more supporting talent around any quarterback that's there, you know. So Carson Wentz will probably get a one-year shot with with the with the with the Washington Commanders, um, and I think that this probably and should be probably his last shot at being a starting quarterback. Now I could be wrong. I was probably I was wrong earlier because I thought that, that would be the case with the Colts, um, but. I think for, you know, you have all these quarterbacks that come to Washington and haven't been able to stay there longer than two or three years. Uh, You just hope things are different for Carson Wentz because his football career is kind of in the balance a little bit. We know that he can make those plays. He can play extremely well at times. Um, You know, but time will tell if he can really fit well with Washington and their scheme and their overall looks and things like that. Um, you know, it comes down to that. You know, overall, you know, it, I think you just look at the division itself. It's going to be uh, hard for them to compete maybe in some of those games because every every team obviously has gotten a little bit better than the NFC East, whether it be coaching personnel-wise or just, just because they have fresh people, you know, in there. So with the Giants, you have Dable. You know, coming in and then look at the Eagles, they're loaded with draft picks and Dallas is trying to keep their roster together. So, I mean, Carson Wentz, you know, goes back to a division that he's familiar with, one division that he's played well against in his career. Um, but, you know, it's just one of those things where he really has to play great and can't make those mistakes. And he has, he has to do, do enough to the point where he doesn't mess it up for Washington. And maybe Taylor Heineken was doing too much of that last year because he was just trying to make plays to win, but it didn't work out. So you hope that Washington gets it right and fixes it because they haven't had a whole lot of success drafting quarterbacks well. Um, And, you know, uh, if they do draft one this year, you know, it will just signal the fact that Carson Wentz will be there just for one year as a placeholder. And so let's see if they go the route of trying to find a long-term answer rather than a short-term fix. Carson Wentz might be the short-term fix for now. Will they solve all their problems? Time will tell based on what they do with the rest of this roster. Um, But I don't think they should pass on a quarterback this year. Um, They should definitely try to find one and see what what that quarterback can do, Um, You know, sitting behind Heineke and Carson Wentz potentially. So in this next segment, I want to continue to uh, preview and look at all the NBA teams that'll be uh, in this year's postseason. So I've been going through obviously the Eastern Conference teams and the Western Conference teams. So today I want to talk about two teams that are pretty close in the standings to each other, or separated by some games or so. Um, So I'm going to start with the Boston Celtics. Boston Celtics have really turned it around ever since they um, started off on a pretty shaky you know, ground. They were, I think, at 23 and 24 or something along those lines earlier in the season. And they have definitely bounced back and been a totally different team this year, uh, in the second half of this year. Uh, they are 40 and 27, uh, eight and two in their past 10 games. Look at Jason Tatum. He is heating up, playing at a high level uh, for the past few weeks. Really getting it done and on both ends of the court, and uh, he's giving his maximum effort. And this, with you know Brown being better, smart, you know have Williams, have you know, Pritchard, you know Kobe White. Uh, I've seen a lot of improvements from this Boston team as a, as a, as a whole as a unit. They are getting it done defensively as well, which was one of their trademarks early with their big, you know, with their team a couple of years ago. You know, you see the energy, the focus, and the finishing is is there for Boston right now. Like they are being able to finish off games really, really well defensively. They're getting it done, and offensively, Tatum and Brown are finding their touch a lot more and more. Um, obviously, you know, Jimmy Yudoka has done a tremendous job coaching getting more out of this roster. You're seeing him connect with these players they are buying into his system, buying into his philosophies. Uh, So Boston is playing really good, and they're a team that nobody really wants to face right now, just because of how well they are playing as a unit defensively. They're up there in the top ten of the league in terms of defensive efficiency, and you know, uh, you're just seeing them getting it done their second unit as well. You know, guys are playing some quality minutes, and um, finding their touches and finding their roles uh, fairly well on this roster. So, look at looking at the Boston Celtics. There are two big questions that come to mind for them heading into this NBA postseason. I think the first question is, can their defense translate to the playoffs against the Sixers or the Nets? Um, you know, or even Brooklyn, you know, Brooklyn, Cleveland, I mean, Orlando, potentially, you know. The list goes on and on these in conferences with Miami, you know, Milwaukee. Like, there's a lot of teams that Boston is going to see, obviously, in this year's postseason. They obviously will have a first-round matchup, maybe against Cleveland or someone else. Um, but their defense has been solid. They've been playing much better, as, as, as I mentioned, as a, as a unit. And so, their defense is great, and we know that that's uh for for success but can they translate it as a unit to the postseason you know you know you got explosive offenses that will try to make you know will stretch that defense you know miami milwaukee all have the ability to do that you know brooklyn obviously with Kyrie and kevin Durant, can do that um so boston as style as they are defensive right now can they keep it up in the postseason you know can they win games you know, it's going to be a huge challenge for them because a lot of teams obviously play at a different pace, just their styles and for Boston we've seen at times where defensively before, you know, Brassie was really didn't have the answers for a lot of things defensively at times for this team they got behind when they were trying to manage a game and so the key thing is for them to keep that defense up and go into the postseason and can they do Can they do that well when they are trailing? Can they make it a tight game? You know, can they do the small things that they're doing right now as a team to win in the postseason? I would say the second biggest question uh, for the Boston Celtics is, you know, can Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart uh, really play at a high level? Um you know they are going to see a lot of attention no doubt um based on their matchups and things like that Uh, but do they have what it takes to be dynamic and go on a special run you know can they figure out how to get things done can they close out games and finish in crunch time in the postseason when they are when they when they're you know, that against the wall, with the game on the line, with the moments on in a series, you know, can they be dynamic in the clutch? Can they make those same shots, make those same movements? You know, it's all about, they've been together for so a long time, and, you know, they have obviously a new coach in Yudoka who's obviously playing to their strengths. So it's all about can they deliver together collectively in the clutch, and can they match some of these other teams' big threes and what they can throw at them, on a on a you know game by game basis in a series, and I think if these if if Brown can get a little more better, uh, and Smart can do some things as well from the outside, they'll be hard to be and defend, you know, for any team. Um, but they have to deliver in the clutch. They have to be able to get past the first round, second round, get back to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, but they have a, such a young group, young young group of players that are very talented, are we special, but in the clutch, in those winning moments of the games, can they get it done? Can they make those shots? And can they deliver um, when, you know, they are trying to come back in the game? Can they make those key shots um, that need to be made, the plays that need to be be made to win a series? So the next team that I want to transition to and talk about are the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers have been one of the biggest surprises of this NBA season. They are 38 and 27 on the year. Uh, Their young talent uh, and some of their veteran leadership on that roster has really brought out the best in this team. J.B. Bickerstaff deserves a lot of credit for being able to get this team to play at a high level. Uh, You're seeing a lot of good things from this Cleveland Cavaliers team. You know, despite the injuries of Sexton and. Ricky Rubio, this team has found a way to rally and play really, really well. Uh, They're out Jared Allen as well, I think, at the moment. Um, So, Cleveland has been getting it done with a great uh, play of Darius McGarland, Kevin Love, and Evan Mobley, among others. You know, Mark Cannon has stepped up nicely in that trade coming up from, from Chicago you know so Cleveland's got some good talent that's stepping up playing well with Mobley uh, Coro. you know they are finding ways to win games and match teams competitive spirit and their styles you know and that's a good thing to see for these for this Cavaliers team they've been through a lot no doubt they've been able to uh, you know just respond to the challenges you know Kevin Love has been there as a contributor and Helping this team along the way uh, in terms of their leadership and their development. Um, so, the Cavs are playing, you know, spirited, they're playing much better than they have ever in the past. You know, um, you know, they're having good chemistry, good finishes to these games, and they're a really good story. Um, and they are a young team with some talent that um, still has a lot to prove, um, but they've done, they've done far more than it was expected of them this year. You know, and so you're just seeing, you know, you're seeing the defense that also be a huge plus for them as well, where they are right there in terms of like, you know, holding opponents under 100 points a game, and sometimes the games they'll go above sometimes, but they are finding ways to lock in and play well when they have to at the end end of these games, and that's a huge difference from last year. You know, now. Looking at the biggest questions for the for the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think the first question is, you know, can we see Okoro, Mobley, and this young? T- you know, obviously where they are playing at a fast pace and sprinting up the court and getting things done, it's great. But you know, can this young group handle the rigors and pressures of adjustments of uh, playoff basketball? It's the case with every team. There's going to be adjustments. There's going to be different things that have to be done. And so Cleveland, where they're playing right now, you know they're looking solid, but can they translate? Can Mobley keep on doing what he's doing in the postseason? You know, can we see Garland be effective? You know, Rondo obviously being there is a huge help. You know, so this team, how they respond to the pressure and expectations of being in the postseason, how the adjustments might go. That will be huge for them. You know, they obviously have the resolve to do it. They proved it out this year a little bit. But, you know, a lot of these guys that are on the roster right now, you know, a good amount of them haven't played in postseason games. And so, you know, how do they stack up well against an experienced team that they'll face properly? That will be something to watch out for. You know, you kind of want to see how that kind of develops and, and, and takes place. But... You know, they do have the coach and the leadership to uh, help that decision be a little more easier in the postseason. And then, second biggest question for the Cavaliers, I think, heading into this postseason is, can their defense and their depth, you know, be able to match the other teams they'll face this year in the postseason? So, now, they may not go far. Cleveland might be a first-round exit, you know. Despite their incredible season, they might be a first-round exit, but... You know their defense and their depth you know look at this roster you know they got guys who can play at key positions but you know can they can they rely on those that second unit or that bench enough to hang with these teams that are a little more experienced or have more better you know offensive sets so you know they got they're also they're trying to build a, a much more comprehensive team in Cleveland you know with all the young talent and Trying to build around Garden and sexton um so their depth in this series you know in the playoffs will be tested you know uh, do they have guys that can respond and be plugged into situations where they can be successful where they can make an impact on the game i think that is a huge thing to watch for them is how does their defense and their depth respond in the postseason where they'll see a lot more of guys playing longer minutes um, and you know, managing foul trouble and managing the you know the swing and tides of a game will be key to watch. So I think that's something for Cleveland to watch out for. But they've had an incredible season and it's going to be inter- interesting to watch what they do in the postseason, their first matchup uh, in quite some time. So uh, obviously, nice times are ahead for Cleveland. We'll see how they continue to do. I uh, hope they get a little more healthier and get back. Um, But their first round playoff match will be very interesting to see how they play and how that fan base will be. Excited to see that as well. It's going to be a lot to look forward to Cleveland, as well for Boston as well. Um, But questions that I've I've outlaid here and listed here definitely will be in play. And we'll see if they can find a way to uh, answer those questions and show something uh, meaningful in postseason when that takes place next month.